Yes, we are. We are back, everybody. Welcome, welcome to our big comfy couch. If you're listening, you can't see that we are sitting on a big comfy couch, and we're actually holding our microphones we this are. morning, um, which is a little awkward, but we, we it was just more comfortable, and we didn't want to have to drag like the mic stands out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we came to the realization that does it really matter if it looks weird? I mean. It's primarily an audio podcast. Yeah, and I feel like even if it is a video podcast, you have the video up, but you're just listening, not l- just watching us. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe you are just watching us. That'd be weird. <laughs> Why would people just watch us? I don't know. Like, whenever, sometimes <laughs> I'll listen to, like, video podcasts, but I don't actually watch it. I just, you know, pull it up and, mm-hmm. and listen. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that people aren't actually looking at us. And if they are, I hope it yeah, just sorry. doesn't, you know, freak you out that we're just lounging on a couch holding some microphones. It's just like, you know, we're, we're having a conversation couple friends sitting around. It's like, a, this is, I mean, with, with like, so the microphones are like, a, they're hardwired too, and they got the, you know, the, the big pop the filter. Big pop filter. This looks like an, like an 80s or 90s daytime talk show. <laughs> Hello, Paul. Hi, Phil. <laughs> just need some, some of that music in the background uh, then too. But this is, I mean, this, this might be somewhat how the podcast goes from now on. Or Could where be. it looks. We'll probably be in this room. It's comfy. Mm-hmm. There's couches. It's great for conversations. It is. It is. And speaking of conversations. Let's have one. We're going to have one today. <laughs> Uh, we have a listener question. Uh, actually, before we get to that, Phil, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing real good. Good. It's like, I mean, this might sound superficial, but it's so nice outside. How can I not be doing good? Like when, whenever the weather starts to turn, like we're finally getting warm weather. We had a little taste of it a few weeks ago, and then it got cold and wet and gray for like two weeks straight. It seemed like, but when it finally starts to do this, it's just like, ha. Everybody gets nice when the weather is like this. I know. It's like, you know, we come out of the dark months of winter and everybody's just kind of like, meh. Yeah. And then it gets nice. And then summer, like the late summer comes, it's just hot. And everybody's oh. like, I hate everything. Yeah. And then fall comes and it's nice again. Yep. Early fall, so it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, like, I don't think people realize that, that don't live in an area with like the weather changes like that, just how magical this time of year is. Like whenever it's like, oh, it really starts getting nice. It's like, oh man! It's when you can pretty much have the windows open on your house, yeah, all the time. Which we did have the windows open in this room, except before we started recording, we, we closed it because it's loud. Because cars drive by, and right across the street is the grade school, and they're actually uh, they're out of recess right now. So I think it might be a little disturbing to hear the sound of children laughing in the podcast. <laughs> if you didn't know that there was a, a playground across the street, you're like, why are there children laughing? It freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> So, yeah, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You're doing good? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Like you, I enjoy this time of year. It's just, this is great. It's nice. Um, getting ready for birthday parties coming up. Shiloh turned two party this week. Party so, I got a couple of parties with family. Mm. So, yeah, that's eat, on my mind right now. Eat that cake. Cake, pulled pork. Might try to get some mulch down. Okay, so usually cake is followed by the word ice cream. So we're having, <laughs> we're having ice cream too, but <laughs> I'm smoking like, some pork. So you have cake and ice cream? Like, no, we're having cake and pulled pork. <laughs> Just mounds of pork. <laughs> I mean, you know, with the right kind of cake, that might not be bad. It might not be. I mean, you know, if you could do like some sort of like a corn cake, almost like a cornbread, you know, some pork on top of it. Actually, I think I did. Jacoby makes like this casserole. It's it's. Um, Pulled pork on the bottom Ooh. and like cheese Ooh. and green onions Ooh. and then cornbread on top Ooh. and the barbecue sauce. Yeah. And it is really good. So we found a recipe for something similar. Because like we make pulled pork and it's always like, man, we get leftover pulled pork. So what do we do? And there was one that's like, yeah, cornbread, cheese, barbecue sauce. Like, man, you can throw it all in there. Nope. Or 
barbecue pulled pork and homemade pizzas are always like mm-hmm. always a winner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's early. We can't be talking about food because I'm getting hungry already. So mm-hmm. stop it. All right. So back, back cool. to our listener question. Back to the question. Um, so I guess it was kind of a question. It's kind of more of a statement. Yeah. It's kind of so like, hey, here's something you guys could talk about. Talk about self-defense. Talk about self-defense. Um, yeah, because we've touched on, I guess we've, we've kind of touched, we've touched on capital punishment mm-hmm. um, from uh, our interpretation of a Christian perspective. Uh, we've talked about talked about nine nonviolence. We've talked about um, nonviolence some and like resisting the ways of Babylon. So as it right. relates to, I mean, like war and violence and that kind of thing. But we've never actually touched on self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that for a few minutes. Okay. And and where we land. Um, it's kind of. It, I mean, this is this is like it's a touchy subject. I don't know if I'd say touchy. Um, well, it <laughs> might be a touchy subject because in areas where like we live, there's like this. What's well, my right to defend myself? Um, and I guess to that I would say, well, right by what standard? Um, mm-hmm. By the laws of the land, maybe, but by the laws of Jesus. <laughs> That's right. So we're if you're not a follower of Jesus and you stumbled across this podcast, you're off the hook today. We're not talking to you. Yeah. Of course, if you don't know us and you're not a follower of Jesus and you stumbled po- across this podcast, I, I doubt you would have sat through our discussion on pulled pork, but maybe. Maybe you did. And you're here and we love you. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. For the follower of Jesus, what do we, what do, we do with this idea of self-defense? Is it okay to use uh, violence, force? Lethal force to right. defend ourselves or others. Um, although there's some like some gray there, because like whenever you talk about okay, defending others, it's like, well, is that self-defense anymore? Because like by definition, self-defense is defense of your yourself. <laughs> um, so I don't know where do you want where do you want to start this this conversation? Maybe we should just start by saying there's not like a definitive verse that you can go to right. that says yes, Jesus condones self-defense or no, he absolutely forbids it. Right, there isn't like the chapter that in verse or chapter yeah. that we can, that's like the self-defense chapter. All the, or like just, you know, a support of violence or whatever. Although there are verses that people rip out of context to do that. And we're going to look at probably the most popular one or yeah. one of them um, here in just a minute. But so to start things like, you can land in different places with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some, maybe some guiding principles that we would like to talk about. Right, so overall, um, you know, we don't feel like as a follower of Jesus, it is appropriate um, to use violent means of self-defense, violent, especially lethal means for mm-hmm. self-defense. Um, because if we're going to be people that value those made in God's image um, and have a high view of humanity, um, who are we to take the life of another human being? Right. To make that judgment call. Yep. And, and to think that we'd be making the right judgment. Yeah, yeah, in our immense wisdom. Yes. We know, we know best. Um, so that's that's kind of the perspective that we're coming from, um, and now we're going to dive right in. that out a little bit? All right. Yeah. So you, you said, you know, you, you kind of touched on that idea of, like, who are we to make that, that call, right? And the Apostle Paul talks about that in his letter to the Romans, where he says, like, hey, re- like vengeance is the Lord's, or whatever, as far as it re- uh, depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. So right. we have that. We have Paul kind of parsing that out. Um, you also said that there's like kind of violent means or lethal force. This is a weird distinction. Um, I heard Preston Sprinkle make this distinction in his book, 
um, Bite, mm -hmm. although I think it's been retitled since then. It has been. I don't know if Something. it's released yet. Uh, I think it is because I saw it. I saw it in uh, the Hoopla. Hoopla! Okay. Um, the, it's like the, the nonviolent way of Jesus or the radical nonviolence of Jesus. Um, which, by the way, if you are looking for a, just a singular resource on this topic of violence um, in terms of how that relates with Christian faith, whether that's self-defense, uh, war, um, Christians in the military, like all those kind of issues that revolve around this topic, like I would, I would point to that as like the the one source because yep. it's like it's written on like a on a common level. It's not like super academic, although he definitely unpacks the scripture and everything. Uh, it's a pretty short read or like a listen if you're listening to it on Hoopla or um, Audible, Audible or, or Libby. Libby, I like that. I like to use Libby. You use Libby sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just use Hoopla. I used to use Audible, but yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, anyway. So I would recommend that book, Fight or whatever it's called now. Just just search Preston Sprinkle. You'll see it because um, it says something about nonviolence in the title. Um, but he makes the distinction in the chapter on self-defense because he does tackle this towards the end of the book. Like he makes the distinction between like violence, doing violence towards someone and using physical force against someone. Right. That you can use physical force to defend yourself without it being violence. Um, and that's like a weird distinction to make, but I think it is there because like violence has a particular like heart behind it of I'm I'm wishing to do this other person harm um, versus like using physical force. I mean, my, my intent is not necessarily to like I want to hurt this person. It's to stop it's them to from stop harming. It's to stop them from harming someone yeah. else. So um, I think that is an important distinction. And I think we can use physical force against someone that is looking to do someone else harm without us having a violent nature about yeah. us. So it's like – it's a weird kind of semantical playing with words and ideas, but it, it actually gets to the heart of a lot of the things that Jesus says of like, what's your heart? What's your motivation? That's not necessarily just the action that you're performing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's one thing I would say. And I don't remember where else I was going with that, but that was one of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was, that was nice, Phil. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, using physical force is so different from using So violence. physical force, you can also use defense. words. Um, and it's interesting because we don't... Th we don't <laughs> Use your words now. <laughs> uh, words, words are powerful. They are. Um, we don't think about that, but Preston gave quite a few examples in the book of, you know, somebody entering somebody's house or about to do something, and somebody's like, "Hey, can I pray for you?" <laughs> right. I know. Like he gave this one example of like this intruder breaks in, in the middle of the night. Like this is a true story. This late, like older lady's house. Um, he's like was there. I was like, want to kill him or something? Yeah. Like, you can kill us if you want to, but let me make you a cup of coffee first. Yeah. And so she brews this guy a cup of coffee. He drinks the coffee and then just leaves. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's strange. So there's other options. And also along with that, it's trusting God and the spirit yeah. in the moment the, to, to yeah. move and to work instead of automatically, I'm going to do what my instincts say, mm -hmm. and that's to harm or kill this person. Yeah, that, that's an interesting part as like, especially as Christians, we, we trust God that he can't, like, do we really believe that he can intervene? He might not, but he can. I think a lot of times we operate out of the, like, uh, I say I believe that, but I don't really think he can. Yeah. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Um, you know, see, yeah, he goes through, like, talking and, like, actually praying. Do you believe that prayer really works and you can, you know, you can change things with prayer? Like, what? Um, starting to sound a little ghosty. A little holy ghosty <laughs> up in here. Um, but yeah, like, do, do we actually believe that? Um, and it's interesting that we always go, like, when it comes to, like, violence, this is 
this is kind of this picture that's always given where it's actually a very rare, very rare thing. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but where it's like this hypothetical scenario that's almost like a gotcha towards people who promote more like nonviolent means. Like, well, what if someone breaks into your house in the middle of the night and they're going to kill you and your family? And it's like, okay, there are a lot of other things on the scale of violence and self-defense than there's somebody who's broken into my house threatening to kill my family. Um, so it's just, it's just weird that we always jump there. But mm -hmm. Yeah. There are different, uh, different means. Um, but on the topic of self-defense, we are talking about is that uh, appropriate? Um, I think we would say, well, yes and no. Sometimes. And sometimes and in some ways. Right. But I think the biggest issue is um, the celebration of mm -hmm. self-defense and the celebration of a culture of violence um, within our culture, um, specifically within American evangelicalism, that there is a celebration of violence. This myth of redemptive violence, that the world can be set right through violent means, yep. including self-defense. And that is just... Call them bull crap on that one. Like 2,000, well, 2,000 years post-Jesus, but like thousands upon thousands of years of world history have shown us that like, no, the world cannot be sent, set right with violent means. It just begets more violence. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's it, honestly, and I think Preston talks about this in his book too, like, he, or I've heard him talk about it in podcasts, and just the idea like, he'll, he's kind of known for writing on some more controversial topics within Christianity, um, like bringing a voice to things like um, LGBTQ issues, uh, nonviolence. Uh, he's written on hell and he'll travel around like other parts of the world and he'll talk about nonviolence and they're like, no, we want you to talk about things that are controversial because to followers of Jesus that aren't American, they're like, well, yeah, Jesus promotes and teaches nonviolence. But in America, we have this like cowboy ethos Right, and I think part of that is <laughs> comes from our love of the Constitution, which is great, gives us so many freedoms. But you know, the right to bear arms, we right. think, okay, that's my right to use my gun mm -hmm. or other means to kill somebody that's right. trying to break into my house. Yeah, I will cut you. <laughs> you know, like, and I love it, man. I, I I grew up, and I still like I like I like war movies. I'm really like fascinated with World War II. Like, I own a lot of guns. And yeah, we're like, you know, die, like do I have all the diehards? I love diehards. Okay, John McClane, man. And it's like, but it is that idea of violence can set the world right. If you come against me or someone I care about, I will, you know, solve this issue with violence. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think we just kind of keep the big picture in perspective. Of, I'm not saying it is uniquely an American evangelical thing, but it's like a particularly prominent idea within American evangelicalism because of how tied in uh, the, bl the blending and blurring of lines when we talk about my rights uh, as it relates to the Constitution mm -hmm. versus uh, my rights as it relates to I'm a follower of Jesus. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right, and I think... Part of the, the way that we need to look at this is from an eschatological perspective. So eschatological please, meaning like please define. end things. Um, end times, yeah. End, end times. So what is true of the eschaton of the end times of when God's kingdom is fully here? Do we see in at the end of scripture, at the end of the New Testament, do we see Christians, the followers of the Lamb, getting to use violence? And the answer is... No, because it's a pre-fall state. Yep. Um, we see, rather, Jesus conquering 
but he's conquering. He's he conquers by allowing himself to be conquered yeah. by evil. He yeah. doesn't come after the blood of his enemies. Yeah. Rather, he's submits to them and is killed by them. And so that should shape our perspective and how we live now. Because while the kingdom of God isn't here fully, it is here. It is present. And so what we will one day be fully should inform how we live today. Yep. Uh, and I believe as followers of Jesus, that means that we should try to, to live in that that pre-fall state where we trust God to will and to work, where we're not using the ways of Babylon or the kingdoms of this world um, to bring about what we perceive as justice. Right. We live as kingdom people now, even though we're the kingdom isn't fully realized. And the New Testament authors paint this idea of like, hey, we're, we're exiles. We are people of the kingdom yeah. of God. But we're just in the middle of a different kingdom. But that doesn't mean you live like the kingdom that you're a part of. You live, or that you're uh, physically located in. Mm-hmm. You live like the kingdom of your descent, right? right. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the king and his kingdom, man. All up in that kingdom. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. You know, you talk about like the the eschatological nature of where we get uh, our violent um, picture from, and it's like people are like, well, isn't Jesus violent in the revelations? No, it's just revelation. It's just the revelation of John. Okay, it's not there's just one revelation, not with an S. <laughs> I mean, th- we could spend a lot of time right. talking about how Christians have oh yeah misinterpreted Dude, bad end that. times interpretation have led especially to so like much just that one chapter where Jesus comes back riding on a white horse, his sword is a t- or his tongue is a sword, right. and I mean, like the, he's this, covered in blood. Like it's like I mean, Jesus was nice when he came the first time, but when he comes back, he's gonna be a violent warrior king. It's like. Only if you have inserted that into the text and not actually read it in context, like all the like, so much of that is pulling Old Testament language. You got to look at like the, the ancient Judaism of it, and all these different pictures. It's like, and obviously John is trying to explain something that he doesn't have words for. It's like, okay, is Jesus literally going to have a sword coming out of his mouth? I don't think so. Okay, like he's like, ah! like sword out of that. But like, just there's these different clues in there where it's like, where. Um, what you what you see isn't what you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a time where John, like, he hears the sound of a roaring lion, but when he turns and looks, he sees a slain lamb. Yeah, it's it's and so it's like it's whoa, I, yeah, like my, like my 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 categories have been shattered. I thought this was a violent warrior lion, but when I look. Oh, it's a slain lamb. It's a weak, pitiful lamb. And then he cries out, who can open the scroll? And then the lamb is the one that takes yeah. and opens the scroll. And or when Jesus shows up, and he's got blood all over him. It's before the battle even begins. Yep. And when you, you dig into the passages and do the research, like, oh, wait, he's got blood. It's his own blood. That's how he conquers. That's how he's victorious. Not by slaying his enemies in the way that we would think, but by laying down his life. And so that informs us. Right. And so often, like... I can, you know, remember being a part of youth group conversations and other people just like pointing to that passage and just being so excited. excited. That oh, Jesus they're going to get it someday. Coming back and was going to slaughter all the people that were against them. Right, and so there, and there we have again the the myth of redemptive violence of like yes, that violence will set things right, um, and I would submit that that is not us. Uh, informing our lives with scripture, but rather us reading our culture into scripture and projecting right. that onto Jesus and onto uh, these passages. So anyway, back to the, the topic of self-defense. Like with that big picture of understanding, uh, you know, who Jesus is, who we're called to be, the picture of the kingdom, 
Um, and we are going to get to some scriptures here in a minute. Yeah, about yeah like we've got our Bibles <laughs> open. We've got our Bibles open. They've been open. We're, we're actually going to use them. Um, so we would come from the perspective of saying uh, self-defense is kind of a gray area, but we should lean towards no, right? Avoid it. Uh, because violence in general uh, is never celebrated by Jesus. It's, it's violent self-defense, not... Yeah, it's violent self-defense. Not just general, like, so, defending yourself. Right. I think it's okay to defend yourself. Um, however, I, I wouldn't think it's okay to use lethal force to defend mm -hmm. yourself. Um, if that costs you your life, that costs you your life. Again, if we look to the person of Jesus, like, okay, that's, those are my marching orders. If, if I have to die at the hands of my enemies to show the world a better way, that's what I the do. The Apostle Paul said, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Yeah, right. Like, like either way, I am still like, with Christ. I'm with Christ. I'm good. Like, we, I mean, you know, Apostle Paul writes other places, like, hey, count it, you know, joy. If you're going to suffer with Christ, that's great. Like, that, like that's, we should seek to, to live in the, the Jesus-formed, uh, cruciform life no matter what we're doing. And if that means we literally die, then we literally die. And who knows what that might lead to? You know what I mean? Like, if, if, if my nonviolent response is someone who's wishing to do violence towards me, it could set a chain reaction that changes the person doing violence towards me, their family, a mm -hmm. community, a, a whole group of people. Like, I, I made a little post about this, like, last week of, of effectiveness versus faithfulness. It's not effective in the eyes of the world to not defend myself, but it's the faithful thing to do. Right. And whether it works, again, in the eyes of the world or not, it doesn't matter. It's the faithful thing to do. Um, so we would say, yeah, we don't, it, it's never okay for me to take a life to defend myself. The, I would say the only, the only place where it's kind of like, okay, we can have a discussion is if you bring in the lesser of two evils approach, where it's like, my option is either I have to take one life of this, or, or this person is going to kill hundreds or thousands of people. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then, and it should, it, that should be a, a, a tormenting decision to even make, to be like, right. I don't know if I can do that. Um, and, and, and again, like what we were saying, though, is like, there are a lot of other options that you exhaust before you get to, right. I have no option but to violently defend. And at that point, I would say, it's not self-defense then, because I'm not defending myself, I'm defending other people. Hey, this reminds me, you know, of, uh, of good horticultural practices of, <laughs> of integrated pest management. Yeah. You try all these up sh other options first, and then you go with the most lethal option at the very last. Right. If after you've exhausted everything else, you can't do anything else, then you go with the other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, you know, and Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the example. You, you talked about him when we were having a conversation before we started recording today. It's like, that's kind of the good example. Like, yeah. he was part of a plot to kill Hitler, but it tormented him. If you, like, read, like, what Bonhoeffer, as he writes about, like, that, that time, it's like, that was not an e He was just like, oh, yeah, let's kill the dude. Mm -hmm. no, that was a struggle for him. Um, and there's, like, a lot of evidence that shows that that plot against Hitler actually made Hitler even more entrenched and like made him fight to the last drop of blood. So it's like, again, often our violence actually incites more violence. Right. It's not always just like a nice, neat, tidy, hey, yep. um, everything's, everything's all better now. Um, and then again, like the redemptive nature of enemy love and forgiveness and sacrifice. And I, I know we keep referencing some Preston's book, but he talks about that as well. It's like, if, you, if there ever is a point where it's like, it's lesser of two evils and you have to like take someone's life, 
and like this is we have a celebration of it's like oh I did something good he's like no like the the Jesus thing then would be to do would be to make things right with that person's family mm-hmm. pay for the funeral set up like a, a scholarship for uh, the person's kids or whatever it is because it's like this is not a celebration this was a, a tragedy that had to happen yeah so yeah I think that's all I have to say on that okay. did you add anything no no let's go to the Bible now let's go to to Biblia not that we haven't been talking about the Bible we've been parsing out the text. Like We've not, we just not been themes. Like, we haven't actually been just reading. Yes. Which is what happens a lot of times in these conversations where it's like, I have a verse for that. I have one single verse void of any context that will make my point. So I want to start um, with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Jesus's kingdom manifesto, which is kind of like the marching orders for those who choose to follow Jesus. But we don't treat it that way. No, we don't. We're just like, oh, that's nice. Is oh, all the Beatitudes. Jesus, oh, those Jesus, are beautiful. Let's memorize those. Jesus, that's cute. We're not going to do any of that, but that's cute. We can't do that. That's not realistic. And it's like, I don't think Jesus was joking whenever he, he said these things. I mean, because at the end of it, he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in the like, he expects us to do these things. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, go ahead. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 43 um, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's this radical love for your enemy. In those moments where somebody is attempting to do violence to us or enter our home, are we considering them our enemy? Uh, Are are we choosing to love them? Um, You know, how did Jesus choose to love his enemies? Well, Jesus chose to die. He chose not to demand their life from them. I mean, Jesus very could have... easily called down legions of angels and wiped out all of his enemies who were trying to crucify him. But instead, Jesus said, no, your life is as valuable as mine, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to take it. Instead, I'm going to lay down my life for yours. And so it's that radical enemy love um, that Jesus calls his followers to live out. Like enemy love is kind of like the uniquely Jesus thing. Because you can find, this, this might trigger some people, you can find elements trigger warning trigger warning of, of like the Jesus message and, and and some of the things Jesus taught or like themes and ideas you can actually find elements of that in other um, bits and pieces of culture at the time of Jesus yeah like there were different like teachers and uh, and like philosophers and stuff you can find some of it but the one thing that you don't find anywhere is the enemy love right like that is that is like the thing that's like okay that's different like that is absolutely different and even today like there's there's certain things where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's these themes and Christian ideas and Jesus-y ideas that we can find all over the place in places that aren't actually Christian. But you don't ever find enemy love, like, outside of, like, the Jesus message because mm-hmm. it's not natural. No. It's not normal. Nobody wants to do it. But we are so good at picking sides and making enemies now. And it's like, okay, you want to make enemies? That's fine. Now go die for them because... If you're a Christian, that's what you're called to do. So, yeah. yeah. That's so good. All right. So that's the uh, first passage. Okay. So I want to look at kind of what's often used as when it comes to violence, and especially like self-defense, um, what's used as a proof text so often. Um, a proof text meaning like 
I have an idea that I've already formed, and mm-hmm. now I need to go find a Bible verse to back it up, even though that might not actually be what the Bible is saying. So that's the idea of a proof text. Um, and when we were uh, asked about this topic, I was like, you know, I'm going to do a little research. <laughs> By research, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type this into YouTube and see what kind of results I get. Like, what are people saying about this? You know, what are you know, pastors or YouTuber, like people in the Christian world saying about this idea of self-defense? Um, and most, honestly, are like, eh, yeah, it's good, do it. Um, and I watched like two or three where it's like they all went to this verse as to the reason why you can defend yourself. Um, and they all stopped at a certain point and did not continue to read on. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're missing like the rest of this. Um, so it's actually kind of found in, in two different places. The, the, the events are found, they're part of the synoptic, synoptic gospel. So Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke um, all record the events of this particular evening. They include some different details, though. So I'll look at Luke, and then I'm going to look over at Matthew to kind of wrap it up. But uh, in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and, and says this. When I sent you out, so he's talking about when he sent them out at, at a different time. Um, he said, I sent you out with no money or a knapsack or sandals. Did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. So he told them to go out before. He's like, don't take anything with you, okay? You just, you just go, and you're going to tell people about the kingdom coming. Um, and then he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And that's usually where they would stop. And they would explain and say, see, Jesus is saying things are different now, which I agree he is. Because he, he's about to be, uh, you know, he's going to be crucified and, and physically not going to be with them anymore. Um, although he's going to send his spirit to empower all of his followers, which he says is even better, but different topic. Um, he's like, things are going to be different. Okay, it's not the same as when I sent you up before. It is different now. And so, yes, that part I agree is true. But they would make a conclusion then that Jesus doesn't make, and that if you read on, actually, Jesus makes the opposite conclusion. But they would say, well, see, he says now if you don't have a sword, go buy one. You now have the right to bear arms. Essentially, he's saying, yeah, like Jesus is telling us to take up to bear arms to go buy a sword, um, which is funny because sometimes it's like the hyper-literalist, fundamentalist crowd that will make these arguments. I'm like, well, then go buy a sword. Right. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going out arming themselves with swords anymore. I don't anymore, think so. But, um, and, and it's like, okay, but we need to read on and see what, what continues to be said there mm-hmm. because that's not where Jesus ends the conversation. It's not just like, hey, go buy a sword. Okay. Um, and even if he did end there, he doesn't tell him what to do with the sword. He doesn't say use the sword. Uh, anyway, going on. Verse 37, he continues. He says, for I tell you. Hey, here's why I told you to buy the sword. <laughs> for I tell you. That this scripture must be fulfilled in me. Here's why I'm telling you to go buy a sword. Because there's a scripture, there's a prophecy about me in the Old Testament. I believe, I think it's Isaiah he's quoting. That, I could be wrong on that, so don't quote yeah. me on that. But anyway. Isaiah 53, 12. Um, there's, there's a scripture, that a prophecy to be fulfilled about Jesus, which is this. He says, for I tell you, this scripture must be fulfilled in me. He was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. So Jesus has to be considered a criminal to to be arrested. And so it's like, arm yourselves so I will be numbered among the transgressors. So there's the appearance that we are armed and dangerous, that we are like part of a violent mob, that they have grounds to arrest me and put me on trial, Mm -hmm. not just in front of the temple, because the temple authorities didn't have the uh, authority to execute Jesus. 
Only Rome had that authority. So we need reason to take this guy before Rome and say, he's dangerous, you must kill him. So Jesus says, go get a sword. Go get a sword so I can be numbered among the transgressors. And they said, so the disciples now respond to Jesus. This is verse 38, very next verse. Look, Lord, here are two swords. We don't just have one, man. We got two. We're dual wielding, baby. We've leveled up. We got two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Enough for what? Like certainly two swords was not enough for them to defend them to, right. for self-defense for the mob that's coming after them. That was not what it was enough for. What was it enough for? It's enough for him to be counted among the transgressors. Okay. So don't throw that verse out as a proof text like Jesus said, go buy a sword, because that's not what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. A little later in the evening, we're going to go over to Matthew's account now. Um, Luke records this as well, but there's a particular way that Jesus says this in Matthew's account that makes it even more poignant. Um, so a little bit later, they've got the swords. They're in the garden. Um, the mob comes out to arrest Jesus, been led there by, uh, by Judas. Um, and so this is Matthew 26. And da, 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 starting in verse 51. So they come up to lay, to lay hands on Jesus. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Uh, it's actually Peter that does that. Peter whips mm -hmm. out his sword, cuts off the, the servant's ear of the high priest. I think his name's like Malchus. Um, and I don't know what, <laughs> like that. That'd be a strange scene. Just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, either he was really bad with a sword or really good because you got to be one or the other to actually cut someone's ear off and not like do other damage you're either really accurate or you just got really lucky um he cut off his ear and jesus said to him okay if jesus wanted them there for self-defense he'd be like okay yeah i told you to get a sword but this is what jesus says put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? He will at once send more than 12 legions of angels. But how should the scripture then be fulfilled? Okay, so it's like, okay, no, 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 no. This isn't about violence. This isn't about self-defense. You have a sword because they're arresting me. I need to be numbered among the transgressors. I'm going to lay my life down. If I wanted to defend myself, I could. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's often the verse that's used as the proof text. But when you read it in context, it's like, that's not what Jesus is saying. Right, and in uh, Luke's account, he, whenever that happens, he answers, "No more of this. Yeah, like, no more. Stop." He he doesn't say, "Okay, let's like, where's the other sword? Come on, yeah, come and on, when, guys." When Jesus says, "No more of this," there's no indication that that hey, don't do this. That that only applied to the disciples with him that night, not us. Yeah, because sometimes we do that, right? Oh yeah, Jesus said that there, but it's different for us. Show me why, show me how, show me the verse, show me how scripture unfolds that what Jesus said then doesn't apply to us now. Right. And it's like, well, um, 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 well, because that's not how the world works. We're like, well, I know. But again, like, that's not what we're called to live by. We don't get to veto the ways of Jesus because that's not how the real world works. Um, in fact, I would argue that is how the realist world works. Yeah. Right? Like, no, this is how the world as it is supposed to be works. It's how the kingdom works, mm -hmm. and that's how we're to live right now. Yeah. I find it so interesting that in that, you know, this account, that it was Peter who picked up the sword, a fisherman. <laughs> it wasn't Simon the Zealot right. who would have been with him, who, you know, the Zealots were a group of people who, they were Jewish, and they were ready at any moment mm -hmm. to overthrow the, the government. Yeah. And so they always had swords on them, ready Dagger to just... Man. Shiva, <laughs> Shiva soldier Shiva, as he walked by. Shiva centurion. <laughs> um, yeah. and so it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus had obviously radically transformed him mm -hmm. where he was no longer ready to do that. Yeah. And so instead it was Peter that, hey, I'm a fisherman. Now let me use this sword. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's why he wasn't very good with it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, he's like trying to whip the sword out like you throw a fishing net and it just doesn't <laughs> work. It just doesn't work the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else to add? I don't think so. I don't think so. So let's, let's put a bow on it. Do you want to put a bow on it? Let sure. Me put a bow on it. So and, put a ring on it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were at a wedding this weekend, so maybe that's why that's in my head. Not at. We were in. We were in and we were both. We were in we were wedding and, and, and at a wedding. wedding. We were both. Um, so in conclusion, you know, we feel that the faithful thing for followers of Jesus is to imitate Jesus and how we love our enemies um, and choosing not to demand their life from them and not use violent means to defend ourselves, um, but rather use non-lethal, non-violent means to defend ourselves uh, and those around us. Um, that that is what is faithful to Jesus and his kingdom. That leaves room for God and his spirit to move. Um, and so if you would claim to be a follower of Jesus, we would encourage you to, to follow that way and not the way of our Americanized uh, Christian identity that says we must use violent means. Um, that what is life? You know, we, we value certain people, but not others. Mm -hmm. um, not to follow after the way of our American government that uses violent means to maintain peace. I mean, it's the Pax Americana mm. instead of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome that was. Actually, we're going to. Um, force you into submission yeah. by by doing violent things to you. talks about the peace of Rome. It's like, yeah, the peace of Rome is only a thing because like thousands and thousands of people died at the hands of Rome. Yeah, it's peaceful. That's is it, I mean, that we're, we're we're wrapping up. But you say things that make ideas pop into my head. You know, there, Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, proclaiming peace, the shalom of God. And so the option that lied that literally lied before you know people in Jesus' day were, am I going to choose the peace of Jesus, the shalom of God? Mm -hmm. Or the Pax Romana, right? It's like that's still that is still the option before us. Do I do I choose the, the Prince of Peace, like the, the Shalom bringer, Jesus and His way, or do I want to do Pax Romana? Do yeah. I want peace through the sword, which is really no peace at all? Yep. All right. So there we have it. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us today. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at hopecommunityonline.org. We'd love to answer those questions. Yes, we would. Or if you are watching us on YouTube, go ahead and drop a comment below. Uh, and we'd love to, to just interact. Until next time, guys. Bye.